Well, I want to I want to get into our word this morning. If you, uh, we're going to look at uh, a passage here, but I want before we get into that, I want to really talk about what the Bible really is to us. I mean, it's really an all-time bestseller when you think about it. And it's not just a book, but if you look at it as a book, it's an all-time bestseller. It's if it were just a collection of stories, another collection would replace it. You think about best-selling books, they come and go. Uh, there's ones that were popular. I like to bring up the one, 88 Reasons Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. Does anybody have that on their belt bookshelf today? Anyone? Anyone? Don't be ashamed. Raise your hands. See, you know, those come and go. Or if it was just a biography about um, these folks from two, over 2,000 years ago, uh, it would have long past been uh, ignored. The Bible chronicles God's involvement with mankind. That's one of the things that makes it so interesting. Uh, it, it, from a natural sense, if you're talking to an atheist, they may say, actually, the Bible is interesting because it chronicles uh, what, what the belief in God, uh, his involvement with mankind. And it tells the story of, of the life of God's son, Jesus, while he was on this earth. But it's also more than that. It is a God-inspired instruction book for living that has survived centuries. Now, over this past year, I brought this up several times because I want us, some of us have been in church, have been religious for quite some time. And, and I think there's something to be said. There used to be a, a group called For Him, a Christian group, and they sang a song, we need to get back to the, back to the basics of life. We really need to get back to the basics of God's word. If you stop and think about it, you know, we, we, we worry about being able to argue with people about the validity of God's word. But really, there's no need to argue about it because the simple proof is in the pudding. The Bible's still here. It's still read by millions and millions of people across the world. It's, it, there has been organizations and groups and individuals, powerful people who have tried to eradicate it and get rid of the Bible completely. There are people who wish that they could totally get rid of every Bible on this planet because they believe that religion uh, is a negative thing in the world, and so they think the Bible is a source of that. And yet they cannot, have not, and will not. The how-to books that come and go, how to survive Y2K. Anybody still have a lot of Y2K supplies you're selling cheap on eBay? Anybody? Nobody's raising their hands. Are you guys nothing to be ashamed of? Might strike up, might strike up a deal right here in church. Or how to make a million in internet stocks. Jennifer and I went to a thing when we were first doing Dave Ramsey, and it was this, uh, <clears throat> it was basically a live infomercial, really. But it was one of these things. You could buy this program, and it helped you know by a simple green arrow and red arrow when to buy and when not to buy. That they figured it all out for you. And they, this, they, they pitched it so well, and it just seemed like, man, Everybody's going to be doing this. And it was just a packed room, remember? Until they got to the end and said, now, we have different packages available. Uh, and what you'll need to do is you'll need to go to our next deal, but you'll have to fly there. And the first one was $5,000 investment. No, $5,000 investment, 10000 or 15000 You got flown to the next deal to get more in-depth. And they put the pressure on and said, now, right now, you can't wait. you got to go back to the people and back and do it. And Jen and I looked at each other and was like, oh, yeah. Here's where they're making their money. If this thing was so great at stocks, right, why would they need your money? They would be making their own. But many people fell for that. And there's books that, that, that are the next greatest thing, the books that have become 
um, but they become irrelevant in a short amount of time. But not the Bible. After 2,000 years, it's still relevant, useful, and true. And so in a, in a matter of hours from now, we'll stand on the soil of our future campus and be breaking up the soil in faith that God will help us build a new facility. And, and in that, in that moment, we're going to be declaring to God that that property, that piece of land, will declare God's word from then on. For as long as we have that piece of property, and it is a, uh, our church facility, it is going to be a place, a a, a, when I got ready to, to enter that into the Facebook deal to show that that is now an address, that that's now a church, and I began to put those things in trying to pinpoint so it would recognize when people are looking for it. You know, literally, I'm putting into a computer system, this is a place that God's word will be declared from now on. Today's message is called Fish Mouth Finance. Fish mouth finance. Say that three times fast. Fish mouth finance. I, I believe that God's led this word today that we will actually be using this term throughout the building project. You know why? Because God is the provider. God is a, a God who pays for what he orders. And he's ordered this new facility. And so we're going to look at a, a text today uh, that I've titled this message Fif Fish Mouth Finance. But I believe every once in a while we're going to be through this building project and something big's going to happen financially and someone's going to say, hey, pastor, that's Fish Mouth Finance right there. That's Fish Mouth Finance. Yeah, that's right, Zach. Say it, say it over and over until people get it. Have you ever been at the place where you didn't have enough supply? And especially when it comes to finances. Have you ever been in that place? I, I've told the story before where uh, not many of my family members knew, but I, I was at the point my electricity was being shut off, or it was shut off, and uh, they were about to turn off my gas, I think it was, several things. Um, and I was eating out of a cooler. I'd go to the grocery store, and I'd buy the meat that was they were about to get rid of, and they'd sell it to me cheap. And I'd go gather up sticks around the yard, and I'd put on the grill, and I'd grill all of it up at one time pack it in the ice and that's why I ate. no microwave warm it up just learn to like it cold and boy i'd buy that round steak or whatever it is real cheap and that thing's that stuff's tough as could be but you know i thought hey i'm i'm making it but it's not a pleasant place to be those times you have to tolerate when your expenses and your income just don't cut it what does dave ramsey say when you have more month at the end of your money and sometimes it's not your fault. Maybe medical bills are piled up or the car died at the worst possible time. You thought the house would sell, but you, you've got two payments now. And those are tough times. Or maybe you've been in a situation of your own making where addictions have, have, uh, have taken away your hard-earned money or you've committed yourself by buying too much. When Jen and I met, you know, I had a time where I was making pretty good money, uh, really good money for a younger guy, and I'd stockpiled some, and I'd be at Lowe's as just her as my friend, and then we started dating, and I'd call her and say, hey, I'm thinking of buying this $80 plant. Why do you need an $80 plant? She'd say, I don't know, just because I, I can buy it, I guess. And I've gone through those times of frivolousness where I just thought, hey, I'm always going to have this, this kind of money, and so I can buy whatever I want. But in the book of Matthew, we find a story in which Peter had a need. And from the story, we'll gain some insight as to what we do when we're in need. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 17, that's where we're going to 
spend a, a good part of our time. Matthew chapter 17, verses 24 through 27. It's also on the screens if you don't have a Bible or a Bible app today. It's the issue of the temple tax. And so in verse 24, when they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two, uh, uh, two drachma tax went to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, Yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from the others? And when he had said from others, Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. However, do not give offense to them. Go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. Jesus has an interesting sense of humor, really. You know, seriously, like he could have made it easy. Turn over that rock right there and you'll find a shekel. And everybody like, oh, wow, how did you know it? Did you put it there? You know? He wanted to make it as, as supernatural, as miraculous as he can. And often that's what we don't understand about God's economy. Is if he makes it easy for you, it doesn't grow your faith. If he tells you just to turn over a rock and there's your answer, then you easily explain away as it's not God. And he, he wants you dependent on him, not because he wants to keep you on a string and keep you dangling there to control you, he wants you there because he understands you'll mess yourself up every time while left alone. That you need a father. That we always need a parent. And there's no better parent than our, our God, our Heavenly Father. And so we can't ignore when God provides the supernatural ways and we can't depend on our own understanding, our own ways to do it. And so he does it in a supernatural way. Go out, you know, go fishing. Soon as one bites, yank that one out, and the coin you need will be in his mouth. Now, I don't care how good David Copperfield is or whoever the most popular musician is now. That would be something to pull off because if it's a live fish swimming around in a big ocean or a big sea and you have no way of knowing which fish is coming up, that had to be Jesus. I want to give you six principles for your time of need. I want to give you six principles that you can write down or remember and, and will help you. So you can put notes in your phone. You could, uh, if you have paper pen, you can put it down. But I want to give you six principles because through this process this year, we, we've got at least $100,000 that we need to raise. And, and that may scare some, saying, I've been to both services at times, Pastor CJ, and I don't know if anybody else is wealthy here, but that's an awful lot of money in, in eight months to 10 months or a year, however long it takes to build that building to raise that. But you know, uh, again, we're not talking about our budgets or our economy. We're talking about God's economy. We're talking about fish mouth finance. The first principle is when you are in need, go to Jesus. This one I probably ought to say about 10 times. When you are in need, go to Jesus. How about we all say it? When I am in need, go to Jesus. When I am in need, go to Jesus. The collectors come to Peter for the tax. Obviously, he doesn't have it, or he would just have paid it. I don't think he's holding out on Jesus. He knows Jesus knows what's in his pockets. He knows Jesus knows what's back at home. He's already figured that out by now. So he's not holding out on Jesus. But he goes to Jesus. Why don't we turn to God first? 
You know, I like to blame it a lot of times on social media. We run to social media for our problems. But before social media, people still had the problems of not going to God first. Why is it that we don't go to God first? I'm talking to myself this morning. Really, this can be an open discussion. Because this is going to be a shorter message, praise God, right? You're going to get out here early. So you have a little bit of time to kill. You could interject. But, but, and I know that's not typical on Sunday mornings. But why? Why do you think? Fear? Fear. Maybe because God's not your landlord or your mortgage company. If, if, you're, if that was the case, you'd just write a letter say, hey, is it okay if I make the payment next year? Right, God? What else? Why, why do you think what, that's so difficult? To go to God first in, our, in a time of need. Well, I know that it's nice for me to be able to pull up my bank account online. I love online banking, and I can see the numbers there. I don't see God's account, and I also don't see his transfers and when they're scheduled to come, right? Wouldn't it be nice? Oh, never mind. I don't have to worry about this month's rent. God is going to give it to me about two hours before it's due, and I can see the transfer coming through, right? He's going to make a way, and it's going to come just before. So why don't we turn to God first? We try everything we could possibly think of, and then we go to God. And that's the exact opposite of the way it should be. The second principle, God knows our needs before we ask. This is one of the most awesome. I want you to repeat this after me. God knows my needs. God knows my needs before I ask. I'm having you repeat this not because it's elementary school, because... The simple fact is, I think we, we don't really grasp that. Right now, I, think, I want you to think of your biggest need inside. You don't have to say it, just what's your biggest need. It doesn't have to be financial, but think of your biggest need. Now, realize that before that need even started, God knew that was going to be a need. Before you had that need, before you were even aware that you're going to have that need, God knew Jesus spoke to him first, saying, What do you think, Simon? From who do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? Jesus was not outside to hear the conversation between Peter and the tax collectors. So Peter goes inside, and before he can say a word, Jesus asks him, What do you think? Sometimes I think we pray in order to fill God in on our situation and inform God of our needs. And I do that. Really, I forget the fact that he already knows. And really, I waste a couple minutes of prayer in the first saying, hey, God, just so you know, we are breaking ground this week. And I don't know if you've noticed, but we don't quite have all the money paid for. In fact, we had to go to bank. And, you know, I know you hate debt. I hate debt. So can we just, you know, like I'm telling him something he doesn't know. God, you know, since you didn't answer me for five years and provide the money up front, now I've gone to a bank. All right. So, you know, well, he knew. Apparently, he was building a relationship. We've already found there's some things that happen with the bank that have nothing to do with the loan, but built a relationship we needed in this process. As if he's ignorant of what we're going, what's going on in our lives, and if we don't tell him, he doesn't know. But in Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, it says, And when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. 
the Gentiles, those who weren't God's people. Well, God's people had gone through, you know, the Exodus, and and they've been their kids have been told of that, and they understand, you know, God has taken them a long journey, and so they have understood by that point at least the the, the Jewish people, the Israelites, they've understood. He's pretty aware of our situation. Uh, he's pretty much thinking ahead and planning out. Um, we still get weary of waiting on him and sometimes go astray. But the Gentiles who have not had that all those experience with God, um, they they obviously go into this many words. This happens today. It, this this isn't just if you came from the Catholic background or or uh, Lutheran where there's very structured services and they tell you to they're going to read something and you repeat it and they're going to read the word for you and that right. This isn't just for those. Often I find that when, uh, new believers they're like, well, how do I pray to God? Well, it's really simple. You're just having a conversation. No, no, no. I mean, like, but, but there seems to be, since you can't see him, there has to be a format, right? Hear ye, hear ye, God of the universe. I, C.J. Brummett, have come before you today bringing greetings and exultations, right? But isn't that awesome to think about that God knows before you even go to prayer? That, that he's not looking for some big, fancy, laid-out presentation. That he just wants you to come to him. The God who created the universe knows before you even ask. I, I heard this story, and I love it, about uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, that back in the day, it was founded in 1924 in Dallas, Texas, but soon uh, found itself in financial trouble, facing an end to that school. The creditor was going to foreclose at noon. They were, they were at the final hours of losing that, that uh, college, that theological seminary that ministers depend on for, for education and God's word to go out and minister. And the president of the college, Louis uh, Chafer, met with the faculty in his office praying that God would provide. Now here's the interesting thing about it. So he gets the faculty together. They're all in a room praying for God to provide. And one of them, Dr. Harry Ironside, prayed, Lord, we know that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Please sell some of them and send us the money. That's literally what he prays. You know, it's okay. You're not, you know, you think, I can't get silly before God. I mean, it's God. I don't think he was being silly. I think he was declaring God's word you own the cattle on Thousand Hills, and they're no good to us if they're just out there grazing because right now we have bills and they won't take cows, right? God, sell some of your cows and pay this debt before we lose this place. And here's what happened. While they're praying, this Texas businessman stepped into the seminary's business office to the secretary and said, I just sold two car, car loads of cattle to cattle uh, cattle loads of, of cattle in, in Fort Worth and I feel compelled to give the money to the seminary. I don't care if you need it or not, but here's the check. The surprise secretary who had not even heard what happened in the moment, took the check and knocked on the door of the prayer meeting and Dr. Shaver looked at it, at it in her hand and discovered what it was for and the exact amount in the story of, of it and it was the exact amount of the debt that they owed and he turned to Dr. Ironside and said, Harry, God sold the cattle. I, I mean, you think about it, true story, and, and you think about it, if God could do that in that situation, I don't care what atheist or who it is, tell me how can men be in a room praying for God to sell the cattle that he owns on Thousand Hills to pay for the debt, 
and, and this guy not knowing the exact debt, and he sends a cattle farmer to sell cattle and come with a check just so God can sit back and laugh, right? And it's going to be like, you guys never saw that coming, did you? You could have never seen that coming. I, I love his creativity. The God that created those beautiful butterflies you see. The God that created, when you, when you get out on a spring morning and you see those grassy fields and the little purple flowers that sprung up, nobody planted, right? The beautiful flowers everywhere. You see, uh, the other day I was sitting on the porch, I was taking a little time in the morning, and a woodpecker got really close, the closer I was to one of those red-headed ones, you know, and the black and the white and the red, and he was just giving me a headache watching his head pound against that wall. Well, but I thought, how interesting that God created them that way. You know, there's not another bird. Woodpeckers are called woodpeckers because they're the only ones that make that noise. da 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 right? da 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 And God as creation just thought, you know, this is kind of comical. I'll make them get their food from in the tree and they'll have to pound their heads into the tree to get it. And, and, and it might just tell us a lesson someday that one of my people will be looking at and then saying, you know what, you think you have headaches. Think of that poor little guy, right? He must have really good cushion around his brain. God can sell the cattle to pay for your need. What are the odds of that happening? Without God, one in a billion or more. But with God, the odds change. God knew the need and prearranged the cattle sale before the the, the teachers ever started praying. And in that same way, he knows our need too. Ephesians 3.20 in the ESV says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. Now, now dissect that a little bit with me here. Let's first look at according to the power within us. The power he's put in you. What's the source of that power? God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. That means no matter what you ask, what you think. Now, God's not just going to give you everything you ask because you want it, because he doesn't want spoiled, rotten children, right? But, but when you ask something that's according to his will and he sees it as a need and it's close to your heart and he wants to give you, uh, he wants to provide uh, the, the cares of your heart. And, and when you go to that power that he's placed in you and you get on your knees and you begin to pray and the spirit of God intercedes for you, then he provides. Third principle, God orchestrates events beyond our control. God orchestrates events beyond our control after jesus revealed that he had already knew the need he told him to go to the sea and throw out a line go to the sea cast in a hook out of all the ways to meet a need why this way there is an easier way to get the money and jesus did this for a purpose i believe it was for no other reason than to demonstrate for peter and for us as well that he controls the events that we cannot control He wanted Peter to understand that, Peter, don't go so quickly to go over and borrow from your neighbor. Don't go so quickly down to the bank and borrow from them. Don't go so quickly until you've come to me and see how I want to answer. Don't go and do those things so quickly. Like I said, I've prayed for a long time before we went to the bank, and I sat with that banker. We sat in that room. Nathan was there, and I looked at him and I said, I don't like debt. 
I said, this is not my favorite thing we're doing here. I didn't want to set off the meeting like you think we're coming down on bending knees saying, please give us the money. Because if God wanted to answer in a different way, he would. And I still believe he can, and he may. But we don't go to man for, for our provision. Peter had to be thinking, wait a minute, Jesus, I know more about fishing than you do. When you, I mean, guess where you found me when I started following you, right? I mean, that's my profession, right? It's like the pastor starting to tell someone in the church, you know, uh, or, or I'm talking to the MAPS people, and we're talking about building foundations or whatever, and they've done it a lot, and I start trying to tell them how to, how to go about that. I'm sure I'd get a look like, you're just a preacher. Why don't you do the preacher stuff, and we'll do the building stuff, right? I don't care you built one house. Come on. And so Peter, thinking, I'm the fisherman. You're telling me to go out there, and I'm going to find a coin in a fish's mouth. I guarantee you Peter had never found any coins in any fish's mouth before that point. And I'm sure he's thinking the best way to catch a fish is with a net, not a hook and a line. Maybe God was teaching you patience. I know the easiest way to do this, Jesus. I just throw out a net and it comes. You know, we pray and ask God to provide and we start telling God how we want him to do it, right? We start trying to tell him, uh, you know, a hook and a line, God, that's going to take too long and you don't understand. I've got other things going on. I really need you to drop off the check right now. So there's an easier way to do this. You know, I know plenty of people have money. Why don't you just put it on their heart to give it to me? You know, I've worked with some folks before where because of our culture and, and this world that, that is very tough as a pastor, but people who, who really live in such a way that they have an expectation that someone else is going to take care of their financial needs. That I don't have money, other people do, and because we're Christians, they should be compelled to take care of my, my problems. And I've had to say to them, I say, you know what, you've actually got this all wrong. You're praying on something that God has convicted hearts about giving, but you're not God. In, in fact, maybe some of this you've done yourself, and now you're wanting a bailout, and instead of going to God and praying and asking him for miraculously to provide it, you're just going to go to his people and try to twist their arm and, and guilt them into giving it. And, you know, I've had people, they may leave the church after that conversation, or they, they, they may stay and, and God do a work of their life. And instead of them always counting on somebody else to take care of their needs, they... They say, you know what, I see that. I see that from God's word. I've been depending on myself and people, not God. You know, I'm going to put it out there on Facebook so that everybody feels guilty and someone will help me instead of going to God on my knees and saying, I need help. Or we go to our knees so that we can say, well, I put it on Facebook after one of my knees. But, but we don't want to wait for God. We're just going to go to other people. It's easier to catch a lot of fish with a net but jesus didn't want peter to catch lots of fish he just needed one <laughs> and you know i would love god to drop a brand new 2017 harley davidson road glide in my driveway right but i don't take time right now to fix the one that's sitting in my garage that's a 1993 version i've had for 19 years right God's saying, you won't take care of that one because you're not taking care of the one you have now. I'm not going to give it to you. I don't, you don't need to go get a bunch. You don't need to get extravagant. You just need that one. You need, you need provision. So here's something for you today. If you're in a tough trial and you need God to provide an answer to that trial, to that, that thing you need provision for, 
and you doubt that He can provide what you need? God sent a a coin-carrying fish to a man. Why not the right spouse for you? Or the right house? Or the right job? Or deliverance? Or salvation? Or healing? Or, or that your finances would come back in order? Or that debtor would, would forgive your debt? Or that the, the bank would have mercy? Or whatever it is. Why not if God can send a coin in a fish's mouth? You see, Peter had no control over which fish he would catch. All he could do was hold the pole and trust what Jesus had said. God made sure the right fish bit on the hook. It's just like when we were trying to get our electric stuff figured out for the property. And my, the architect and the bank and everybody's telling me, oh, that's going to be a pretty long process. We, we get held up quite a bit. Just be prepared. I know you're anxious. You want to break ground and you want to get the RV sites in. But just know by the time you contact them, it can be weeks and weeks and weeks. And, and we call and, and, and I had to slow them down. First of all, because they were about to go out there before the bank closed the loan. And then when the guy got out there, come find out he's a Christian. And me and Rich, our project lead for MAPS, got to pray over him for his church and all. And he calls me the next day and says, that's on a Tuesday, I think it was. And he called me, he texted me on Wednesday and said, by the way, everything will be ready to sign on Wednesday. And as soon as you guys are ready, we'll be out there to do it. All the paperwork, all that process that was supposed to take weeks and weeks and weeks, took a couple days. God, God can give you favor. He can send people at the last minute. He'll send the right people. He'll send a fish with a coin in its mouth. Without God, one in a billion chance, but with God, no sweat. Principle number four, God's timing is perfect. God's timing is perfect. I said we're getting out here early. I'm slowing down. I'm, I've been kind of slow this morning. Just The thing is, we don't understand his thoughts. We often, uh, we often miscalculate his timing. We think it's supposed to happen our time because we're so impatient. We often think God is late or has forgotten about us. But God's timing is always perfect. Peter threw out the line and the right fish bit. And it was no accident that the fish was at the right place at the right time. God had set up a divine appointment. And when you go to the Lord and pray, and, and you're thinking, God, I've only got so much time here. He's already at work. He's already working through it. Are you going to stay faithful and wait for his answer? Or are you going to try to work it out on your own? We look at God's history. Mary and Joseph had traveled to Bethlehem for the census at the, same, at the same time as she gave birth to Jesus and fulfilled the prophecy of Micah, of where he'd be born. And at, this, at the exact moment when Peter denied Jesus for the third time, the rooster in the uh, courtyard crowed, uh, uh, crowed thrice, or twice, I'm sorry, fulfilling the prophecy of Jesus. And then the whale was at the appointed spot at the sea when Jonah was cast in. And the ram was caught in the thicket at the exact moment when Abraham was about to sacrifice Isaac. Do you see a trend here? That God at the right time, at the right moment, in your most dire moment, can you imagine Abraham that moment getting ready to plunge that knife into that son he wanted so badly, that one thing, and God stopped him at the last moment. God is in control. He has perfect timing. For the sake of time, I'm just going to get to the last two points here. The fifth principle, you may have some participation in God's plan for you you got to understand this is an autopilot God has not called us to just pray to him and he runs our life for us and that can be the part that trips us up because we can confuse doing our part with God with with trying to do it on our own but we need to wait for his lead wait for his direction Peter had to do had 
to do many things to see that miracle. He had to find the right sea, uh, not the dead sea. He had to throw out his line. God didn't make the fish jump in the boat. He could have just made the fish jump right in. Uh, he had to pull in the fish, open his mouth, and remove the coin and take it to the temple. Principle number six, God supplies the needs of those who obey him. God supplies the needs of those who obey him. Throughout Scripture, God ties his blessings to obedience. In Leviticus 26, 3-4, If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season, and the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Let me just say something on that real quick. When we were building our house, and I mentioned this before, we were getting ready to pour concrete footings, I believe the footings. I had a crew of volunteers out there, and I headed in town, and it started, we saw the forecast, it started pouring down rain, and I couldn't even hardly see from Casey's to here on my way back. And I called, and Cappy, those of you who know Cappy, I called Cappy, I said, hey, are you guys all huddled on hell in the trucks? How bad does it look out there? And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, how bad is the rain? He goes, it's not raining, it's sunny and clear. I said, no, there's no way, because everywhere, I mean, all the way, I, as, soon as, as soon as I leave the, left the property out there, it just started raining. I pulled up the radar, and there's a one-mile radius around the land, and everywhere in northwest Arkansas was covered with rain, and it was going right around our property. And, you know, the easy thing for us to do here is to think that, that this is God's church, and he's going to build it, and we just rest on those principles, but we forget to pray. We forget to believe. We forget that he still wants to hear from us on it. He still wants to know that we're all in and that this is a place that we believe that he has given to us and that we need to proclaim and claim that land and that church and, and to speak it out in our prayers and say, God, you've given us that piece of property. Even if I came to New Song long after his purchase, I see the, uh, the wisdom, I see the strategy. I mean, with all the schools around and this being a younger church and, and, and a lot of young people in it, I see what you've done here. That property is desirable. You put us in a great place, a hub of where the city is moving. And I believe you've given that to us. And so I believe you're going to give us the building and you're going to help us pay off the debt in record timing. That, God, you're going to deliver us out of the hands of the debtor. Deuteronomy 11, 26-28. See, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God, which I commanded you today, and the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way that I am commanding you today, to go after other gods that you have not known. It'd be easy for us to see progress out there and think, okay, well, there's other people taking care of that. I can kick back, and I'm just going to sail through like we've been doing at New Song, and I'm just going to come in, and, and other people take care of that, and it's going to get done, and I'll get to enjoy the fruit of that and go to that new building. Instead of saying, you know what, what is there that I can do? What is there that I can do to be a part of that? God has called us to be a body of believers, a arm, a hand, a foot, a mouth, all of us to be a part of this. Deuteronomy 15, 4 through 6. But there will be no poor among you, for the Lord will bless you in the land that, your Lord God, that the Lord God is giving you for an inheritance to possess. If only you would strictly obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today. For the Lord your God will bless you as he promised you, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow and you shall not rule over many nations, but they shall not rule over you. 
So we can see that God has frequently hinged his blessings and provision on our obedience to his word. 1 John 3.21-22, English Standard Version. Beloved, if your heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And wherever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. So if you haven't been obedient, what should you do? You have to go back to your point of disobedience and change. If someone has been harmed in that, if any sin against someone else, you have to ask for forgiveness from them. You have to, you, you have to move forward from that. And whatever the area that you've been living in disobedience, you have to now obey. Once God's brought it to your, your attention, the Holy Spirit has, now it's time to obey. Peter did. Peter obeyed the Lord. He threw out his line, waited for a nibble, and after a while he saw his cork bobbing in the water. He pulls in a fish, and there's a coin, just like Jesus said. The right fish at the right time. The right amount to pay the tax for Jesus and Peter. And God's divine appointments never disappoint. I've learned that. When he sets up the divine appointment, it's never a disappointment. So I want to just ask, ask you this morning, if we could just take a moment to, to close in prayer. And we need to, to make a commitment now that we are, we are all in in prayer through this. That Today, just breaking ground, that, that's just the starting point. And, and even when we have the ribbon cutting, that's still just the starting point. Because God's going to give us more space to reach more people. And that outreach yesterday was a part of that. Uh, evangelist Jared Horton mentioned how, how amazing that was, the timing, that we're supposed to have the groundbreaking last week. And then something happened, and we had to put it, the rain happened, we put it off this week. And that the outreach got put off a week because of the men's conference. And so they landed on that same week, on the same weekend. That Yesterday we went out and we started touching people's uh, lives and their homes. And then today we're going to dedicate a property for that simple reason, to reach more for Christ. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask right now, Lord, that we could all make a prayer of commitment to you, Lord. That God, no matter what church body you put us in, this is a prayer that we would that we would need to pray for our church body. That God, I, as a part of this body, that each one, as they pray this, Lord, with me, that, I, that we, as a part of this body, commit, Lord, that we will be in prayer, Lord, for your provision, Lord, not only in our own lives, but for this church, for this ministry. God, that you will supply all our needs. Lord, you'll do it in the right timing. You'll do it in a unique way. God, we'll have to participate. You'll, you'll show us, you'll prove to us, God, your mighty power and even sometimes your humor, Lord, in how you do it. But God, we make that commitment today that, Lord, I will pray. I will give. I will serve. And Lord, I'll trust you where it's impossible for us that in the right time, just in time, Lord, you'll pave the way and you'll pay the way. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Love y'all. Remember, uh, about 1230, 1230-ish, everybody should be moving over. Hopefully I'll get done a little earlier than I did in uh, first service. I'll get done in second service. So we're thinking about 1230, kick off over there. 230, we'll, kind of be, we'll have everything kind of closed down at the park and ready to move over for the groundbreaking. Um, if you need the address, uh, it's 1690 Gamble Road for the, for the new property, or you can ask me after service for directions. Love y'all. Have a blessed Sunday.